So one of the things that I've found in all the years I've been in the ministry and visiting, we uh, get around to that question and we'll ask, uh, are you ready to die? Are you prepared to die? And especially if they're 45 under, they'll say, well, uh, I've got plenty of time for that, but you don't. Whether you're two years old or three days old or a hundred years old, it's appointed unto man. You've got an appointed time, and when that time comes, you're going to leave here. But I believe it's the most alarming question. Since you do not know the extent of your life, you should be alarmed, at least suddenly it ends. And you find yourself unprepared for the world to come. It is clearly attested fact in Scripture that however long a person's life may be, the close of it in this world does not bring his existence to the end. The soul, the body, But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as we all probably memorize that verse, it is appointed unto man once to die. Now, if we stop right there, it it wouldn't be bad. You know, if you believe you're a child of God, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, that's something to look forward to. But God said, but after this, the judgment. And whether you're saved or whether you're lost, you will face judgment. The great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, I used to wonder when I was first saved and heard sermons on this subject, and I preached some sermons on this subject, and, you know, uh, where does a person go? And if a person is saved, what is there to judge? But the judgment seat of Christ is, I'll stand before God, and I'll see my life fall before me. Everything I done, why I done it. You know, I believe that the Lord, as I have studied this deeply the few weeks, God is, and put it in my own words, I believe He's more concerned of why I do something than just doing it. When we help the beggar, why are we doing that? Do we feel sorry for him or do we pass it up and, and, and say, you know, there's probably nothing wrong with him. But there's a lot of people you see on a daily basis, a weekly basis, especially if you're still in the workplace. They may look healthy, but you don't know that. 
They attend church every Sunday, but you don't know if they're saved. Because I believe the churches are full of lost people. And the world is full of lost people. But as we look at this statement, it is appointed unto man once to die. Now see, if you follow my reasoning, and I'm sure not everybody does, I don't believe the baby came early, and I don't believe the baby came late. I believe that the baby was born exactly on time, and uh, the doctor did the best estimate that he could do, but he's not God. And science is not always 100%. But God's word says it is appointed unto man wants to die. So whatever my condition is or whatever your condition is, uh, God already knew that before the world began. And I used to have the trouble saying before the world began, you know, came into existence. But then when I studied Ephesians and I found out that God took my salvation, my election, before the world was even created. God has always knew I would be saved and the day I was saved and what I would do with what he showed me. So God said, it's appointed unto man wants to die, but after that the judgment. So if you are pursuing a life of sin and neglect of your soul, how alarmed you should be. Because uh, God said in the book of Luke, the 16th chapter. Notice, I just want to quote it to you, but I want you to see that. Luke 16, 22. The Lord said, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, the rich man also died and was buried. Was buried. In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. When I read that, I think about what a surprise that the lost man is going to have in hell. Because I've had numbers of people tell me, well, you know, I'm not afraid to die. Let me die. It's all over. But it's not all over. It's just a beginning. The question is, what have you done with what God has shown you? See, the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Immediately. And I think about how terrible that cancer in the late stages and a lot of other diseases that we see in our families and friends, they died in pain. I think about my wife who, especially the last seven months, I don't think she ever had a day that she could say I was pain-free. 
But if she was lost, she would have went to hell, and that pain would still be there, but only worse. But if you're prepared to die, the split second or faster, I don't know how to take it any faster, but uh, there's no more pain. No more wondering, why did he do that or why did she do that? Why do my family treat me the way they do or why I've never had any breaks? Whatever may be on your mind when that last breath is taken and you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus, none of that matters. You'll never think about that again because you're in the presence of God. And I like this point because when I'm in the presence of God, I don't worry. Think about that now. How do we worry when, when, when God is near us? You say, well, the flesh, but the spirit is in you. That's God. That's God the spirit. From the moment that I was saved on US 25, the Spirit of God entered me. And every time I sinned, I had to go against the Spirit that lived in me, teaching me I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. The awakening question is, it is designed to awaken you to see the need to prepare for eternity. See, when you read Hebrews 9, 27 and Luke 16, 22 through 23, if you read it instead of like, well, I'm going to read my verse, you know. I don't know about you. I, I read a portion of Scripture. I'm not talking about studying it. I just read it to start my day. But if I read Hebrews 9, 27 and Luke 16, 22 through 23, and really ponder it. Man. <laughs> That's design. It's an awakening question because you do not know how long you have to live. And since you are presently without Christ, how essential that you take those steps to prepare to meet God. Now, really what this lesson is, is to, for me and you to learn how urgent it is that we some way show our loved ones about Christ. And most people, when I come across that way, they'll say, oh, you know, you're, I just can't witness, I can't knock on doors. We're not talking about knocking on doors. We're not talking about witnessing. We're talking about that when you are around a lost person, that lost person sees a difference in you. That's the witness. We don't win very many people to the Lord by what we say. But how we present ourselves. What does it take for you to blow a fuse? And forget that God 
saved you when you was his enemy. What are those steps? Well, to begin with, we've got to recognize that there is only one way of salvation. That's what John 14, 6 said. These are simple scriptures. He said, I am the way, and no man come unto the Father but by me. See, and, and when you read that scripture and you memorize that scripture, when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I was baptized last night. Praise God, I'm on my way to glory. And what do we do? We get excited for them. But baptism don't save nobody. Sometimes baptism just uh, confuses you because we can put baptism into being saved. And yeah, you should be saved before you go into the waters of baptism, but I know just from my time here, how many people have I baptized that are not in church here but are not in church anywhere? Because baptism doesn't save. And we get excited because they're excited, and we got to figure out a way to realize that baptism don't save you. But it's needed. It's important. God said in Luke, Luke, the 18th chapter, and verse 42, God said here, and Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. Isn't that wonderful? But you know, so we don't be misunderstood, Faith in the right thing. I have faith that this microphone, if I hold it a certain way, and you say, that sounds stupid, there are some religions out there that are about as silly as that. What did God say? Let's read it again. Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith have saved thee. Well, it's faith, not in our baptism, not in our church membership, but faith in the fact that Jesus died for me when I was a sinner. And when I accepted him, the Holy Spirit entered me. Now, I always ask people, how many Holy Spirits are there? Is the Holy Spirit going to teach you one thing and me something else? Those people who believe that you got to be sprinkled, that's baptism. Now, anybody that's studied the Bible knows that sprinkling is not baptism. But they believe they're baptized because they've been sprinkled. I guess this point, I'm what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is not going to teach me one thing and 
Brother Steve's something else on the same subject. What he will do, if I've been saved 40-some years, then I ought to have a deeper understanding of what faith is. And with a deeper understanding of what faith is, I know that faith didn't save me. See? And that goes back to my question, how long have I to live? That's in the hands of the one who saved me. That was the one who knew before the foundation of the earth who my mom would be and who my dad would be. Just what is that faith that saves? Let's look at Romans chapter 3. What is that faith? We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. But when we look at Romans chapter 3, notice. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. Thou art confident that though thyself are a, art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor, an instructor, we're in chapter 2, we'll be in chapter 3 in just, just a moment, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. Now, Romans chapter 3, as I told you to turn to, said, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, notice, because of what's in verse 19, by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Why would a child brought up in a drunken home believe that drinking was wrong? Why would a child brought up in moms and dads that lied to each other and everybody else think that lying is wrong? So we try to get our children in Sunday school. and We try to get them at a young age where that's when they absorb it to know that by the law is no man justified. I was in a home not a few weeks ago and the mother was just crying her eyes out and saying, I don't know what's wrong with Kathy, that was her daughter's name. She's brought up in, in church. And I happen to know the mom and dad. And I said, 
Let me ask you a question. Why should your daughters think church is important if you don't? Why would they want to read the word of God if you don't? It's like, you know, lying. After you catch somebody lying to you time and time again, it's, it's hard to believe anything they say. How many of us lie to the Lord every day? We went into the waters and we said we're dead. Come up a new person, alive, excited. And the devil pounce upon you like you ain't ever been pounced on before. And you're wiped out. See, all become guilty before God, therefore by the These are the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. See, until you realize your guilt and your helplessness, you can never be saved by what you do. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't witness enough. And yes, a lost person can give a testimony that will make you shiver. There was a young man not too far removed of us, right out of, in the Trubden, Newport area. You know, when he first started preaching, everybody wanted him. Five years later, he then turned his back upon God, the church, pastor some cult. Mom and dad crying, break hearts, still it faithful in a Baptist church. You know what they told a lot of preachers at a preacher's meeting? We believed that if we would bring him up right, no doubt he would be saved. That's my duty. That's your duty as a parent. But there's no guarantee that's going to save him. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. When we look, you know, at the word of God, you know, furthermore saying faith believes that God has provided salvation through his son whom he sent into the world, we believe that Jesus is the answer to the sin problem. And it certainly is the way that we need to go. It's the way that we are to, to uh, lead our family, ourself. But we also see that uh, 
God says in Mark 2.17, come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And what we get mixed up on is a lot of times we say, you know, uh, we don't have to worry about, I've had people tell me this, I don't have, you don't have to worry about Anthony, Kim, or Jay. They brought up in a good Christian home. So being brought up in a great Christian home is a guarantee of salvation. Let me tell you right up front, no, it's not. All we do for our children when we want them to go to college is what? Give them a better chance. Give them a greater opportunity. But I know a dozen or more college students that is working for minimum wage, working at McDonald's and all those places. You know, the parent gave them a chance, you know. I have a granddaughter that went to college. Nicholas County this year is begging, pleading with her to teach. You know what my granddaughter told them? Nicholas County don't have that kind of money. Why? I never told her she should or shouldn't. She's Past 21, by several years, she'd make up her own mind based upon what she knows. But she made a decision based upon, I will not work where I come home and miserable that I had to teach something I don't believe in. The same question goes, why would you not be active in a church that teaches the truth? Why wouldn't you be putting God first? Not just her, I mean, I'm just talking about people in general. They make these stands on morality, they make these stands on I would never do this, I would never do that. What are you going to do with Christ? What you going to do with Christ? That is what it's all about. You know, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So the only way my goal is to be where God's at. So I'm in this auditorium, and if I want to go to the fellowship hall, you know, those doors is my way I get to the fellowship hall. I don't want to die and go to hell. 
I've got many reasons now to want to go to heaven. But there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So, saving faith believes that God has provided salvation through his son whom he sent into the world. And Galatians, you know, pretty well tells us that when Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, where he said that God sent forth his son to redeem them that were under the law. Therefore, saving faith believes that Jesus of Nazareth alone is the promised Savior. That's what I believe, isn't it? What you believe? I don't believe that my baptism saved me. I don't believe church membership saved me. I don't believe being a preacher for 50-some years has saved me. I believe that I'm heaven-bound because I put my trust and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that the Holy Spirit lives within me. And I can sin, listen to me, I can sin, but I can't enjoy it. If you can enjoy sin, you've never been born again. I don't care where you pastor or who you are. When the Spirit of God lives in every child of God, and when they do something wrong, when they hear something wrong, it bothers them. How long have I to live? I'm going to be in glory a lot longer than I was here on earth. And I wouldn't fit in heaven if I had sin in my life. Every person that died, when they died, when my wife took her last breath in my arms and she went to heaven, that body was her enemy. That body that I loved and cherished was her enemy. And the spirit went to glory. But see, it doesn't end there. I'm going to the glory too because I know the same God that she knew. Being convinced, being convinced of all these truths, saving faith then rests on the all-sufficient Christ. I believe in Hebrews 7.25 that the Lord Jesus is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by faith. Faith is believing what you can't see Faith is believing in what you don't understand. And he said, but that's hard. I got in a, I don't know how much that old car out there weighs, but I mean, I got in it this morning. I didn't, you know, I, I believe it was, it, was, it was going to start. 
I believe it would get me over here. I don't understand nothing about that. I don't understand how I can sit in my living room and start my car. But I enjoy it. You know, it's really nice if it's snowing or cold or raining. But I don't understand it. And I certainly don't understand how Jesus Christ, thousands of years ago, shed his blood on the cross so that I could go to heaven. So, what we need to understand is that like Hebrews 7.25, he's able to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him. That's the thing that that preachers need to preach. If you're lost and God saves you, you ought to submit to baptism. But it don't save you. See, love is what the key. The more you love something, the more important it is to you. The more you love, you want to be around that person or thing. In God's law throughout the gospel, sinners are urged and commanded to trust in this all-sufficient Savior. Acts, Acts, the 16th chapter. Acts 16, verse 31. God said, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. In my home, me, my wife, and three kids, I was the first one out of the five that was saved. My wife made a profession of faith, was baptized the same time I was. But it was a year later when I was pastor of Hebron Baptist Church that she came to me and she said, God just saved me. How's that going to affect the church? And I looked at her just as straight as I'm looking at Tracy right now. And I said, Dora, I don't care what the church thinks. If you know you weren't saved when you were baptized, you did what is right. You need to submit to scriptural baptism. We put so much emphasis on what somebody thinks when it is God that guides our life step by step, day by day. And as we close, Finally, saving faith assures all who trust Christ alone 
that all of his righteousness applied personally to them. Notice in Romans, book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 7. Paul here saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Sin cannot take me to hell. Because Christ took care of every sin that I had committed and will ever commit. Now, this is the comeback. Also, that means you Baptists believe you can sin as much as you want to and still go to heaven. And I blow him out of the water. I say, yes, I do. Yep, I sure believe that. Because if you want to sin, it's because you've never been born again. You sin because you're a sinner. Are you following me? But I don't don't get up in the morning. I don't get up on Monday and say, well, we had a good service yesterday. Let's see how many sins I can commit today. No, but I could. And then again, I can't because he that is in me is stronger than the influence of the world. And so I come to the clue. I don't know what y'all going to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house. You know what? The writer meant by that, you've got control, or you should have control, of what goes on in your house. Whether you ever heard it, whether you ever believe it, it's neither here nor there. Everything that I permit to go on at 326 Elderberry Drive, God will hold me accountable. So uh, knowing that as we close, Romans 4, 7, and 8 said, Unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The assurance can be yours if you will but repent and believe the gospel. Mark 1, 15. You've got to repent. A change of mind that leads to a change of action will lead you into the throne of God. Our last scripture, then no matter how short your time may be, you will be saved from sin, hell, and the wrath to come because Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. 
call upon him while he is near. I'll ask you a question as I close. Does God feel nearer to you some days than he does others? He does me. Someday I know he's walking with me. He's in me. He's my power. He's my joy. And there's other times I'm in such a mess that I'd ask God, why would you fool with me? But he'll never leave you. Father, we thank you for the...